Welcome back to another edition of the Power Podcast. This week I'm joined by Bertie. Hey, how's it going? And Forty. G'day, boys. And Ham. Howdy ho. And your host Hamish uh, here to do a little bit of a review of the grand final day in both grades. Uh, obviously, two losses, so uh, bring up that old trauma. And then uh, we'll have a look at a season wrap and have a look at some of the losses, some of the gains for next year in the first, uh, the men's first grade, and a little bit of rugby league world cup. But we won't be doing a game by game thing of the rugby league world cup because, to be honest, it's way too early in the morning to be getting up to watch that shit when I'm not really all that interested. And Australia should just smoke it in at the end. Or maybe New Zealand. What do you think, Australia or New Zealand? I mean, I saw the the commentator from ABC saying that if Australia don't win, it's a disgrace for them. But I think that New Zealand team is pretty handy. If they get Jerome Hughes back and healthy, that partnership between him and Dylan Brown can make them contenders. I'm still on the Jamaican Reggae Warriors team. Up <laughs> uh, the Warriors, Reggae Warriors. I, I, I can make it still win. I, I, was, <laughs> I was telling you boys, I haven't really watched the games live, but I've caught the highlights just quickly before we move on. And I, I have enjoyed the underdog sort of status of some of these teams rising up and having good performances. I think Italy were, I don't know if they should have been outsiders, but they were the betting line outsiders against Scotland and they got up against them. PNG nearly upset Tonga and should have upset or at least equalized against Tonga, arguably. Uh, so there's been some good results there. And like even Lebanon showed up against New Zealand. So it's, it's been good in that regard. But yeah, it feels like it's a two-horse race when all is said and done between Australia and New Zealand. Right, well, let's jump into the grand finals first. So Sunday, the 2nd of October, in the women's grand final, uh, crowd record attendance of 42,921 at the time. Uh, Knights, 32 to the Eels, 12. Uh, seven tries to two. Um, I have to say that the final scoreline sort of belies the contest that it was for the majority of that game, and things could have turned, if not for that push in the back, um, off the try off uh, our fullback. Sorry, I've forgotten her name. Um, Gail Broughton. Yeah, Gail Broughton, which would have tails ahead with, what, how long was it? It was about 10, 12 minutes to go or something like that. Um, but unfortunately not to be, there was a sneaky push in the back there. Um, and then the Knights scoring three late tries to really blow out the score. Yeah. 40, Ham. I was going to say, it's been that long. <laughs> I've sort of forgotten most of it, but from what I remember, um, yeah, Newcastle had a lot of errors early on, and I thought... We, we dominated the early possession and territory and yeah. couldn't convert it into points. Brooke Anderson... Jumped out of dummy half and got us on the board, but we probably should have got another trial too in that run. And unfortunately, the Knights had a very good game plan. They'd done their tape on us on our structures, and they were very aggressive jamming both Gale and I think it was more so uh, our half, sorry, uh, Taylor Preston, who would be playing two out off the ruck, and they were getting really aggressive on her as the, the link point on those sweepers, forcing errors out of her. Uh, and besides, on the other side, uh, young Jesse Southwell was phenomenal. Uh, to make Upton, we... She was very good, but what the probably what killed us here, and uh, I was thinking back on this game, was their dummy half got caught twice in really bad spots attacking our goal line for what would have either been the last tackle or to bring up the last, and we just let her get away a super late offload, and they scored twice off it, and that was back-breaking stuff. So that was frustrating, but a game where uh, our girls fell one, you know, just one result short, but it was an incredible run to the grand final. I think that there's a core of his team here, and listening to Samima Taufa's emotionally charged speech after the loss when they, they let it get up into the mic as the opposing captain. I think that there's, this is a team that will stick around and hopefully compete next year and beyond. Uh, with Even with all that expansion coming, they'll try and uh, stick together. Yeah, I think you're right about that emotionally charged uh, speech from Taufar at the end. It really uh, sort of brought a sense of camaraderie around that team. And, and there is a fair few that have been there. And, and we should note that, you know, brand new halves pairing mm-hmm. and Talia Preston, she was carrying an injury throughout the majority of that game. She got, um, was it a, was it an arm or a shoulder pretty early on? El- elbow. Yeah, I remember 
clutching shoulder. Yeah, elbow or shoulder it was uh, very early in the piece. Uh, and you, you mentioned the crowd figure. I do want to shout out. It was great to see 40,000 plus at the NRLW Grand Final. Really cool. Uh, shows the game's going from strength to strength or the code in that particular aspect is going from strength to strength. And yeah, for the Paramount Eels, you pick yourself up and get back at it. You've got a, a fullback who's going to get better next year and Gal Broughton, who I believe is signed on for 2023. And from there, you just look to try and keep all your core pieces, Kennedy Charrington, Samaya Talfa, and you're going to get back one of your co-captains, fit and healthy, and Tiana Penatani as well. So that's going to be huge. And yeah, I, I don't necessarily subscribe to the idea that you have to lose a grand final to win one, which is you know also uh, applicable to the NRL too in that regard. But this is a team that will get better for the loss. But yeah, the only thing you say, you got to lose one to win one. We don't know how much turnover there's going to be. Yeah, but on, on the flip side, sports, Ham, we but... are armed with a pretty good Tashigar squad, as you know. Uh, yes. So we are positioned to at least refill the ranks internally with some really good talent. Or you could just do a Newcastle and go and buy. Well, yeah, just go. So, <laughs> you know, it's time to all the best players in a nice little package from Brisbane, exactly. So, I mean, free agency is going to be important for this team too. You can absolutely augment what you've got here with some smart acquisitions in that big scramble, but I think the priority is going to be keeping a lot of our core players first. All right, well, let's jump to the men's grand final, which saw Penrith run away with it, 28-12. to 12, A couple of late consolation tries there, one from Clint Gutherson, one from Jake Arthur, um, making sure that we did get on the scoreboard, but uh, this game was pretty much over about half an hour in. Yeah, I yeah. mean, which, which query was it? Ivan, Ivan, sorry, that came out after the full time and said he's never seen his team play as good a set of football or start of games. That Penrith came out and played the perfect half. Yeah, they, they were on fire. That was, that was 2001 Newcastle Knights House. Yeah, and and I, 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 I've had this conversation a number of times after the grand final, and Eels didn't pay badly in that first half. They no. were just blown off the park by yeah. one of the best um, regular season teams, so, I guess, in the NRL era. And um, there's not much you can do when, when that sort of happens. No, that's right. And sort of if, if the one play that sort of changed it all was when they just started taking dominance was that second tackle kick from Dylan Brown. Now, you look at it and you go, oh, why'd you do it? But if that came off and Mitchell grabbed that ball, we're up 6-0 with a trick play. You know, it's just, you know, they had, they sort of had to do it. We were holding on at that point. If, if you complete the set, you know, you, you can't say what happens, but whatever. But it was sort of, or I, was, I was asked before the game by my boss at work, he goes, oh, because after the AFL grand final, he goes, would you rather have your team flogged, like, down by so many points at halftime, you just know that's not going to come back or lose on the buzzer. <laughs> and you know what? I actually, I actually think it was, in a way, more cathartic having been down by so many at halftime as, like, not being able to come back. That was just like... We, uh, we weren't right, embarrassed now I can look in the back magnitude of the, the AFL grand final was, at least. That that was absolutely one-sided. The Swans were annihilated. Penrith, while they were outstanding against us, didn't punish us on the scoreboard to that magnitude, thankfully. For... For mine, after thinking about this one, boys, and looking at how Penrith dominated the middle, unfortunately, you, you look at the big games and oftentimes they magnify the issues that your team has more than anything else, right? Your strengths are there, but your weaknesses get pulled apart even more than ever. And if there was a game in this season where our inability to go to the bench and have a couple of big middles come in and, and get stuck in, in that second rotation and potentially, you know, turn the tides in that regard. If there was ever a game where that hamstrung us, it was this one. Junior and Reg were nullified early on. Murata was a complete non-factor. I mean, five runs, 41 metres. It's arguably his worst performance of the season after being so good in that back third of the year. But we went, we look at the bench and, you know, you've got Oregon Kafusi, five runs, 46 metres. Nathan Brown, who was brought in explicitly to be the aggro guy to come in and go hard, seven runs, 59 metres. 
Uh, Ryan Madison was the only one off the bench that did anything, and he was arguably our best on field. It just – it was brutal. Uh, this, this is a game, like I said, where your weaknesses got magnified by so much. And unfortunately for us, we just couldn't win the middle. Penrith dominated there, and it let Cleary and Edwards in particular run right. Also, just on the back of that, I think we went on with the wrong wrong mentality. Like, against Penrith, we did, we did the same thing in week one of the finals. We tried to go one up and bash them. Like, yeah, you've got Reg and Junior who were fantastic at that, but their whole game plan is they flood the middle in defense. So their forwards are fresh because their back five take the run. So they're up just constantly smashed. They're ready to smash back. You need to offload and pass the ball. Like, it's risky, but we saw later on at the end, if you're, you know, we'll throw it around a bit willy-nilly at the end there, but if you're confident of throwing that ball around, it's going to stick, and that's what you have to do against Penrith. And we weren't willing to do that because it's seen as risky, but that's the way that, that's how you beat Penrith. It's how you beat them. You can't beat them any other way. Bertie? Uh, look, I'm not going to be upset. Oh, I am upset, sorry, but I'm not going to be, like, devastated. Like, you could put any other team, and they would never they would never come close to beat Penrith. Penrith, as you guys said, played their best game, I think, since the last, four, last three, four years. Um, you know, we, we'll go for them set for set. And then they scored that one try, or they their first try. It was just you know a play cut back inside, and you know that just because like and then from there on we just didn't get the ball from that. So it just shows you um uh, repeat sets or you know just dominate possession and you, you're gonna win the game. You know, and I know it's funny previously before that like the Cowboys game it was the opposite, but you know Penner for another you know another level. You look at um Leota like he, he literally dominated us. He bashed us and um like. The only thing I can think of that, that sort of pisses me off is our wingers. Look, our wingers are bigger than their wingers. Sivo is bigger than all their wingers, you know. Like, and I feel as though, like, I don't know why Sivo or our back or Wonga Blake can't do what they do, you know, or at least help us. You know, they barely hit, you know, 100 metres. I just don't know. And that's And in my head, I'm thinking, you're bigger than them, you know. Like, you can do exactly what Toto does. And Toto's like, he was just killing us and... At least, at least help out Reg and Junior because, and you know, you guys mentioned that you know Reg and Junior was snuffed. I've noticed lately, or noticed in the big games, that Junior just goes missing. You know, like he puts on a shot every now and then, but he doesn't take the you know, it doesn't take the game by the neck. You know, it just it's just it pisses me off. There's no one stand, no one standing up or doing something. And I don't know if they just you know they just got they just realized that you know this is Mount Everest. We're not gonna we're not gonna win. You know, they gave up. But yeah, I saw a lot of people. They just. You know they pretty much needed the game. The game was over after thirty minutes, so I'm not as bad because not I'm not as upset because Penrith were the best team. You know, no one could have beat them. But man, I don't know. It's it's kind of it's kind of weird reflecting on it now. Like, yeah, it's it's had time to digest uh, and to let it wear off a little bit. I'd, yeah, I don't know if there was too much more that we could have done differently in that first half when Penrith were just so red hot that you know that it was. As, as Ham touched on before, that trick play, you know, it gives you a chance to go up. Um, obviously, this team has been a bit of a front runner and, uh, and and it's better when they start on top. Um, having said that, we went set for set with Penrith earlier in the year, but I guess that just sort of shows that the finals is a different beast and and uh, Penrith, you know, they had everybody healthy at the right time of the year. Um, and I guess we, we did for the most part as well. Uh, but, yeah, just falling short in the grand final, uh, but it was nice to be back there, I have to say. It was a good day out, good day on the beers. Um, just on that, Penrith looked uh, fresh. Uh, on the tip sheet, Bernie Gurr mentioned that two of their, uh, most of their team had played two games in 37 days. Um, extend that further to Nathan Cleary played two games in 
two months. So, you know, you talk about match fitness or whatever, but in that time, Clear is able to go away, have a mini preseason, build his fitness back up, build his strength back up. Meanwhile, everyone else in the competition was had just had to maintain and it deteriorates over the over the entire year. So, you know, the fact that they played their regular season so well uh, allowed them to only have to play two games in 37 days, which gave them so much time to rest, gave them so much time to think about things, plan, what have you. Like That's, that's where we need to aim next year. We need to aim for top two, which I think we can do. I will say, like, defend- <laughs> I will say defensively, right, um, you look at their tackles, right? Every time they made a tackle and I still dragging us back, Uppy, literally, he's a leg cutter. Like, and, like, I feel as though defensively we 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 don't defend as well, like, our, our technique. You know, we, we're more, like, trying to wrap up the ball up top and, you know, we get run over quite a bit. Like, Reed gets, you know, pummeled a lot. But, like, you look at what Uppy does and what Mitch Kenny was doing, their little legs tackle and they pretty much stop your momentum and then push you back. Or us, we're just trying to hold on to them or trying to stop the offload. But... I feel as though we've got to work on our defense. I know it's, you know, defense wins championship, but in terms of um, getting down low, cut the momentum, and then pretty much, you know, just try to lay on them as much as we can. But yeah, every time we made a run, like, you know, Uppy will be the first one there. He'll cut us down, and then they'll be just dragging us apart. Even dragging us back, sorry. Even then, they lift us up and they drag us back, like legally, without without the health court being well, called early. Legally is an interesting phrasing for it. I feel like it's a gray area in the game right now where. There are held calls, and then they're allowed to drive a player back for another three to four seconds, and then the tackle is then completed, which it's an interpretation from referees, which I don't agree with. If you call held, the player can no longer advance or be driven back, and it's, mm. a, it's a thing that Penrith being very good at exploiting, like all the ruck rules, you know, going back to what Melbourne did and what the Roosters did in their various iterations of dominance, and right now that forklift tackle is something that I do hope the game looks at because it's, it's like a real sneaky part of Penrith's dominance and they're so good at affecting it too. And it takes a lot of effort, so it's credit to them to do it. It's not like it's easy, but it's something that they do to dominate the ruck uh, with the refs. Yeah, well, they've been able to do it for the last couple of years, and there's no sort of meat about changing any of that. So I mean, we see, We've yeah. seen how like slow, treacle slow the NRL is to react to what Melbourne did for years and what the Roosters did for years and what various you know teams that were dominant in the middle for various reasons did, so I'm not surprised. I think it's going to be the way it is for a bit still, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. But at least I guess they tidied up the the garbage with the six again this season, so we didn't see a repeat of yeah, just on that manly. <laughs> we didn't see a repeat of them this year. Jeez Louise, haven't they taken the off season cup from the West's Tigers? Oof, yeah. Um, all right, well, we might just leave the grand final there, but it was, it was nice to see Gutho and, and Jake Arthur get a try at the end of the game. Um, well, you know. that, that's the controversial question we didn't ask. Did Brad Arthur fuck up by not starting Jake? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, poor Jake. Poor, poor Jake. I mean, he got involved um, in, in the you know the, the, the things there, which is nice to see. But, yeah, like I said, our bench was very weak. And, no, it's not a reflection of Jake. It's more so, like I said, the other middles where our start, it's got buckled and then the, the rotation guys couldn't make a difference. So, yeah. But, like I said, let's close the book on it and hope that we can improve next year because this team is still, at its core, very strong. And there's opportunities now for other guys to step up to replace the guys that have moved on, like Murata and Ice and whatnot. And, you know, we can talk about that through the preseason, but, you know, I'm looking at guys like Tony Mattielli to make a jump this year and, and really throw their name into the hat or ring or a hat ring. All right. Well, unless there's any last thoughts, we'll move on from there um, and, and have a scan over who we're losing. We knew most of these players coming into 
uh, the grand final were on their way. So Reed Marnie to uh, the Canterbury Bulldogs, and uh, hopefully they go downhill uh, next year. Isaiah Papali'i off to the West's Tigers, and given the comments of their uh, uh, incoming hooker, I don't know if uh, they'll be very pleased. Uh, Raymond Stone to the Dolphins, Oregon Kafusi to the Sharks, Tom Opacic, Hull KR, Murata Niakore off to New Zealand Warriors. Um, so we knew about those players, but then it's also been confirmed. Solomon Naiduki, Hayes Perriman, David Hollis all off. And they were very much fringe first graders. Um, just looking on the Fox Sports website, Perham. Yeah, ruptured his ACL back in round 11 now. Yeah. yeah. And, and also said that he played 16 times for the Blue and Gold. I don't I don't remember him playing no, that he, many he games. Definitely, definitely played 16 games for us, and he definitely didn't rupture his ACL, thankfully. You, know, you don't want to see a, a good boy. A good boy. Who were they like even that. thinking of? That is a good question, Ham. Like who? Who wrote that? It wasn't. That? Um, it wasn't. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, that other winger that did it in the first round against uh, St George. Gunster Russell. Yeah, they're nothing of Hayes. Hayes. Hayes didn't rupture his ACL though, did he? I thought he. Yeah, Hayes, Hayes did. It wasn't. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting because in the article they spelled Hayes parent because. Both Hayes spelt one has a Y in it, one doesn't, and they spelt it right. So I don't know if they're like on the you know the Kool Aid or something, but yeah, yeah, definitely on the Kool Aid. <laughs> well, hey, I don't want to get sued, but I'm just saying allegedly, you know, they're you know <laughs> doing a Caitlin Ponger in a cubicle or something. I don't know. Yeah, so <laughs> we know where we sit next year. We've got uh, Jermaine Hopgood, Mitch Rain re-signed, uh, Jake Arthur upped again. Is that right? Yes, uh, for uh, another he, year. Sean Russell into 2024, I believe. And. Josh Hodgson, of course, coming. Um, just trying to see who else we, we've got coming. Uh, you got uh, Jairo Mamasia from the Knights. Oh, yeah. He's got a bit of, uh, a couple of wraps on him, does, doesn't he? Yep. You've got the back row from the uh, New Zealand Warriors. Uh, uh, Jack Murchie. Jack Murchie, yep. And Sean Russell re-upping as well. Um, do, do you think Russell, uh, Hammond, 40, you've sort of spied on Russell a bit. Uh, do you think his long-term future's at fullback, though? If I still think centre. If COVID hadn't happened, I would have been interested in seeing what he could have done to be the number two fullback with an eye towards being the number one guy long term. But I think now he's going to carve out a if he, he obviously stand around for the near future, which is good. But to be a first grader is going to be centre or wing, like depending on what opportunity opens up first for him. I'd really like to see him. I know we had um, Sini and what Luizu played most of the centres this year in Cup. I think yeah, and then Simonson dropped back. I'd like I'd love to see. Sean Russell given just a year back at centre. He's such a he's a got a beautiful running action, so like a gazelle. So and he's quick. Um, he's got that uh, ability to pass, pass, so he can set up his winger. Um, I think he defends quite well. I just you know he probably won't get a chance now that um, Bailey had a you know decent two games um, in the centres and Will's over on the right. But if we've got we've got a wing spot open for me still. Oh yeah, I think so too. I think so absolutely. I think, uh, I, I I think for twenty twenty three at the very minimum that uh, Mike Acevo deserves his spot in the left. I think that he he played out a very strong season, but I think on the right it's absolutely up for grabs. And then beyond that, beyond twenty twenty three, as far as I see, we've got two open spots because Mike has been already been linked strongly to international rugby union to French rugby union, I believe, where he could make a lot of money. And if he takes that offer, and I wouldn't blame him. Uh, that means that Eels will have uh, two spots available because Wonga Blake's also off contract. So, yeah, I'm looking to see those young guys make a step forward. So we mentioned Jermaine Hopgood, by the way. I can't remember. How about LeBron James? Was he too early? <laughs> uh, Le- LeBron, LeBron Tawala is going to be part of the younger squads. I think he's SG Ball eligible. Yeah, he's named to the SG Ball squad. So he's going to be one to watch next year, though, but he's an absolute physical unit. But 
in terms of yeah the NRL contributors, Murchie, Momasia, Hopgood, Hodgson, and uh, anyone else been officially tied to? I think that's it so far. So more of the Eels doing what has been so good for them the last few years is finding diamonds in the rough guys that haven't necessarily starred elsewhere, but honing them and polishing them into something special. Uh, be interesting to see if I think Hopgood's got the pedigree boys. We've already spoken about him in length, but looking at his numbers in the reserve grade competition this year, right up until that national grand final where he was best on field with uh, 200 odd meters and other 40 tackles and some uh, offloads and try involvements. I think he scored a double. Uh, he's going to be a big contributor, hopefully. But looking at Murchie and uh, Mamasia, hopefully they can be something too. It's a gyro. Just interesting because like, I've, I've looked at his numbers and you know numbers only tell a certain story. Um, but they're not impressive. They're not impressive. But in saying that, change of scenery to a better club is big. He's, what, 194, 105 kilos. He's big. He's supposed to be quick. Um could be change as good as a holiday. So um, interested to see how he turns out. So so just by looking at it, we'll probably have like a new centre next year. Like I don't think Simonson you know, might play there. We're looking at a new hooker for sure with Hodgson. You know, new, who's who's taken ice's spot? And the one thing I'm, I'm a bit worried now is like you looked at this year, right? You know, we're looking at – we approach uh, Marty Tapao, right? So I don't know if Brad Arthur has a lot of faith in, you know, the likes of Rod – I don't know if it's just too early for Rodwell or Ogden – so I feel as though the bench is like wide open. Like I feel as though like in previous years we've we've now won the thirteen, the maybe even fifth, maybe the fourteenth spot and the fifteenth spot, and usually the last two spots in up in the air. But I feel as though heading into this season, this off season, the whole bench it's literally anyone's game. You know I don't I feel as though you know we could have four forwards. You know I don't think there's anyone guaranteed a spot on the bench. So which is interesting because then you don't get um, complacency at the team. So on the squad, yeah, it's a big turnover. Almost ten players, so you can't uh, say that there's uh, what was it nepotism uh, in the squad. <laughs> well, I guess people will still make that claim because Jake's uh, coming back for another season. Um, all right, is there anything? Oh, sorry, we we sort of touched on it at the top, but uh, I guess we should have a look at. So there's a couple of oh. captains running around um, in the Rugby League World Cup for the Eels team. Um, shoot, I just had that up. While, while you're looking for that, I suppose ancillary to what we're talking about with our top thirty. Uh, I think old uh, PVL, Grandpappy Pete, was uh, talking about a state of the league sort of address a couple of days ago. And there was, an, I don't know if it was official, but there was a, a very recent inference that the salary cap is going to be set somewhere in the vicinity of $11 million for next year. Yeah, which is insane. So we're going from like 9.4 to 11, which is a very sizable jump, uh, which means that the Eels may still be a player in the market, depending on like who's available, who's unhappy and whatnot. Or, alternatively, it could streamline negotiations with the likes of Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses because, you know, suddenly the the funds are there. We've got four spots open currently for next year based on NRL.com. If going by that, you'd say, what, we're two million under the salary cap at the moment? If if, if it is going to be 11 mil? Like, how can... can, uh, It would have been been nice to have this cap cap space at the start of the year so you could do our negotiations uh, over with some of those guys that left. It, It should be done 12 months ago. Yeah. Yes, it should have been done. You should not be able to negotiate co- like a contract for next year without knowing the salary cap. Heck, we're we're what twelve days? We're twelve days away from new contracts kicking over, and then we don't know the salary cap. So how yeah. can how can clubs 
you can't. It, it's actually like, insane. It is like bush league stuff. Yes. The the dogs. You know, people, myself, were like, "How do they keep signing these players? Yeah. How do they keep signing these players?" The the NRL cannot now go. Oh, hang on a sec. You're over the salary cap. We didn't know what the salary cap was. Like, that's not our fault that you didn't put in the salary cap. That's your fault that you didn't put in the salary cap. We signed players based on what we thought would happen. Like, you know what I mean? And look, and the Fox Sports have an article right now saying the free agents who ever got a deal. And it doesn't look, you know, like Angus Crichton, but I think he's got a handshake deal. But um, Marty Zappel, no, no he won't ask for much. There's no one Crichton's now, yeah, if that upgraded cap. So, one person I wouldn't mind, and he's been linked to the Panthers, is that um, Adam Kieran guy. Look, you know, I feel as though Jake, you know, I'm not, not hating on Jake. I feel as though he's like two years away. And I feel as though this guy, he can, he can, he, he can play first grade right now. And I'm not saying Jake can't, but I feel as though he'll be a quality signing because he can. He was even playing in the centers for the Roosters. I was going to say, yeah, he went in the centers too, didn't he? A goal kicker as well. Like I feel as though, look at the at the worst, it'll be a very good signing for our reserve grade. But even on the bench, like enough, you know, I don't think he'll be asking for too much. So, and back to the salary cap, how much do we have to spend per year? Because like I, I don't, I feel as though ninety five percent of whatever the the nominal value is for your cap. So if it's at eleven million. You're looking at like oh, if we do maths, ten ish or something, yeah. Well, because if that's the case, just just pay all the money to Jay. I'm not Jake, sorry. Pay all yeah, the money so to Dylan Brown can, and Moses. Just tie them down. Over five hundred fifty thousand dollars if it's eleven yeah. flat. Depending, so obviously like, give or take. Like front load the crap out of their contracts, right? That way we can sort of like if if like I'm not if I don't want to waste that money on someone, right? But I'd rather front load them as opposed to like a big name signing. It's interesting because like yeah, I feel like we do need. And if we've got that money, you might well, be able to what, go, what oh, position? there's someone at X if that's a bit unhappy. I wouldn't call it a luxury a luxury signing, given that you're looking for X Factor for a guy to push you over the edge in that grand final matchup against Melbourne or Penrith or whoever. What position, boys? If we've got the shopping list out there, and, and regard, don't give me a, it doesn't have to be a, a name of a player. Like you can I'll give you a name. Money. Jeremiah Nanai. If you've so got you, money, you want, throw it at him. You want back row? Ham, what position would you go for? Uh, it's... It's hard to go past Nanai, honestly. He's going to be, he's going to be the best. I reckon he'll be a bit the best forward in the game in three, right, four but years. But don't don't lock yourself into just free agents. Like we know that the NRL no, contracts. Like, contracts well, you, you look at just 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 speaking about Nanai, I want to talk about him for a bit here. Nineteen years old, like already an attacking freak. He's got a few problems defensively, but he's coming off two years of minimal development because of COVID. Like it's not. He's going to be. He's going to be an absolute freak. He'll be the best forward in the game. I reckon. So you've both gone Nano, you've both gone the edge back rower. Hamish, what position would you plump for if you had to open up the checkbook for a difference maker to get us over the line? Pretty hard. I, th- I, th- I think it's certainly Hooker um, for mine. You like Hooker? Yeah, I thought Reed was um, yeah. pretty average uh, throughout most of the season. So maybe, uh, yeah, maybe Hooker. But, but realistically, right, whichever time you're half in the league would you want at the club? Like The only one I could think of is probably Grant. In my opinion, I don't want Brandon Smith. I think he's, you know, I know he's signed a long term deal, but the only other dummy half I would mind is uh, Grant, who's a difference maker. Everyone else, maybe a Robson guy, but he's like, he'll be cheapish. I I love Guffer, and he's been a great fullback for us, but at the same time, there are just sets where I see if we just had that elite pace at fullback, it could be transformative for our team. So it's, it's kind of hard to say fullback because Guffer does so many amazing things for us. So I think it's, I think it's, Edge or fullback for mine, uh, because I think at hooker we've shown that even with guys like Joey Lusick, we can still the way we structure our attack at the very least 
is uh, far more edge centric than a lot of other teams. And if we just have a guy that can do the basics there, we can get away with it. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see if we can get a star in, in one of those three spots, hooker, edge, or just outside backs in general, I suppose, whether it's fullback or uh, wing centre. Tell you what, I'd tell you who I would love. He, he wouldn't. He wouldn't change the game. Dom Young. Oh, oh. he's he's gonna. He's another one that's just like 21, 22 years old. Looked looked very ordinary last year. You could. He just looked completely yeah, like terrible a last year. I was just like, what, why did they bring him over? And then this year he's just in a pretty ordinary Newcastle team. He did a very good job down that edge. I don't mind the idea, Ham. Uh, but there was an article I think yesterday, day before saying there's already half a dozen clubs looking to yeah. secure your services. So whenever you see that many teams, you always get a little bit leery about what the asking price might get up to. But Especially for a winger. Yeah, exactly, like, exactly. Not semi. <laughs> yes. what, what are we um, – I know we've got the World Cup in England. Why don't we just try and get someone from over in the Super League? Like I know it's – the, the, the young Papua New Guinean hooker, Edwin Ipapi, plays for Lee how, how old is he? He's 22, 23. Oh, so he actually is young. Okay. He actually is young and like – He's a, he's a Papua New Guinean, so he just even if he doesn't work out at hooker, I think they've got him listed as a half and they've put him in at hooker. Um, I don't know where he plays for Lee. I saw a try of him and he scored, like, just broke through as quick as. Um, he, if he doesn't work out at hooker, you've got a lock there. You've got someone you can just put in the number eight or number 10 jersey and just tell him to run tackle hard. <laughs> that's, the worst, that's the worst case scenario. Where did he play? Look, I can't think of any massive names off contract, like even next year. I, I thought of Nano straight away because I think he signed like a one-year extension with the Cowboys, but I don't think any there's any big name, like big, big names, you know? Like Latrell Mitchell's tied out. He won't come to us never in a million years. Joey you know, Manu. Like, oh, take that <laughs> in a heartbeat. Oh, how about RTS? Would you make a play for him? That's not a terrible idea. The money would be a lot. Uh, there is a bit of a, a fullback controversy up in Brisbane. There could be something to do there, I suppose. They've got what three guys looking to compete in the fullback spot? Reese Walsh, Reese Walsh, Cobo, uh, and Cobo, and uh, the Englishman. Oh yeah, uh, certainly take a Cobo off them. Uh, what's the Englishman's name again? Again, at worst case scenario, you got a very good winger. Uh, yeah, speed, but I don't, I don't think you play big Unworth. bucks for for like Herbie a winger. Farmworth, like if yeah. you look if you look at the grand final, Charlie Staines was a yeah. grand final winning winger. Like yeah, and he's off to the Tigers. So <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like we need I look fullback. Back row, but back row is more easy to replace. Or not replace, easy to sign. Because, you know, can you imagine sacking Gaffo or moving him to the centres? Like, it's just, I think it's just easy to get another back I just, row. I, if, if we're buying a fullback, that's Gaffo, see you later. He's yeah. not a centre. To me, like, I see comments online saying, oh, I move Gaffo to centre from fullback. Centres, you want hitting holes. That's not Gutherson. Um Yeah. What about uh, Kennedy from the Sharks? I know they've got a youngster, Dykes, coming through, like... Would would you guys be okay with that? Like, I know we're just spitballing here. I mean, Kenny's in the like the decent to good range of fullbacks rather than the great. I think if you're going to be replacing Gufferson, it's like the whole thing we said with Brad Arthur back, you know, before we made the grand, not so before we made grand final, but just like when the discourse was, could we do better without Brad Arthur? It's like, well, yes, you probably can, but you got to make sure you get an upgrade. And I think it's the same with Guffo too. Uh, you got to be very careful what you go out there and get. And Kenny's, I think, a good player. I'm not sure if he's a great player. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, let's move off this. So the three captains I was looking for was Junior Paulo for Samoa, Mitch Moses, Lebanon, and Nathan Brown. He's the good Italian boy. Um, <laughs> Samoa getting absolutely smashed in their early oh round. God, uh, Samoa. You know, yeah, gosh, I just tuned out like any There's NRL. A, like six, sort of, six, uh, six Panthers uh, Panthers players in that team, by the way. But yeah. no, none of the important ones, apparently. No Isaiah Yo, no Nathan Cleary. 
No, Dylan Edwards. But just tuning out, like all the um, the the rugby league freaking paper articles and Fox Sports rubbish. Like, Jesus Christ! I was getting the train back home from the airport like two weeks ago, and there were like two old blokes with the telly open, and they were debating rugby league between themselves. And they're like, "Oh, we're going to go put twenty bucks on Samoa." They are absolutely stacked, and the telly saying they're going to go all the way. And you're like, "Fuck me!" Like, <laughs> just go and burn your money if you take bloody any advice from the Telegraph over. You know what's a good bet. It's, it's especially funny. on rugby league matters. It's funny. I know it's only one game, but like Joseph Swali'i, right? Whatever, however you pronounce his name, he's like the next big thing. Yeah, next big thing. After one game for Samoa, people are saying, "See, that's why he's not a fullback, or that's why it's not worth the money." Like, it's just people interesting. Just one game, so people are just so quick to judge, yeah, like one that, way or another. Why? Why like, do you he, think he, hot he, takes dominate the media, boys? Because if we react like wildly after one game. That's what people like to do. That is literally why American media set the, uh, the sort of the new agenda, which ever other countries have adopted, like Australia in rugby league. Hot takes just dominate. It's easy to say, yeah, this guy's washed, or this guy is the greatest thing since sliced bread after one game. Yeah, maybe we can re- reunite him with his um, his best mate Pinastini. That would be a good signing. As long as it's here, not there. Would you? Okay. Would you guys break the bank for him? Like, let's just say nine to one, nine hundred to one million a if, year. If there was going to be more player, than that, yeah, that's it's what it's going to so take. More but than that. if if there was a young player to swing for the fences for, Swaliti would be right up there. But given what the rumored figure is from Rugby Union, he'd be insane to turn that down because he could go yeah, there for if, five. If he turns down two mil, like even even if it's one point five, you'd be dumb. But you'd the thing is, he could, he'd go to Rugby Union for five years, bank ten million, obviously minus taxes. Which is going to eat into it a fair bit, but still, be you're getting taxes and all the stuff when you're in the million bracket anyway. But come back at 24 years old and still be in his prime to play rugby league. Like, so, yeah, like, I mean, like I got the same fear with like Young Will. Like if he wants to leave, what if he just likes rugby league better than rugby union? Like rugby league's the better sport. I understand money is a big contributing factor, but like how much more to play a shitter sport? Like like what you know he probably hate his hate his sport. Like that's what I'm my opinion. Like I've, I'm worried that Will might leave, but he might like league much more you know so yeah yeah well you're right but well both were league boys before the only reason they played union was because they were scholarship to yeah there was a very like family friendly opportunity to go to kings and you know get a great education and get a, a full scholarship or whatever they give you there so yeah i'm i mean I'm, with that raising cap space will's another one that we can talk about you know, as a potential easier re-signing too you know he's a, a guy i think that they're going to want to build around as a young leader and as a young star, so I'm pretty I'm pretty hopeful we get a job the job done for there. Amazing what twelve months does. Like twelve months before that, like he was playing in the you know, semi final against Penrith and he looked a bit like hesitant. Now he's got that killer instinct in him. Like he you know he doesn't mind. Like before he was pretty much team first option. Now he's got a bit of like uh, you know if he sees a hole he's going to hit it and try and score. So yeah, he was backing himself for that final series. End up scoring a couple of first tries. So yeah. good. it was great to see after, I wouldn't say a slow start, but a quieter start to the year. Uh, like a few players, he really came into his own in the back half and it was really good to see Will make those steps uh, and hopefully he can continue to grow into 2023 and beyond. All right. Do we have anything else to touch on? Do we want to sort of leave everybody to wallow in their sadness post-grand final? Well, I'm over it. Well, mm. like, it was as I said, like I just, watching that second half, I just thought, you know, yeah, we've had it's been a roller coaster of a year, uh, inverse roller coaster when you think about it. Where when you're going happy, it's going down, but when you're sad, it's going up. Inverse roller coaster of a year. Um, that's a really anyway. Sorry, <laughs> that's a really. I just thought it, that's a really weird analogy that people say it's been a roller coaster of a year. Like 
when you're on a roller coaster, the down parts are the fun parts. But in rugby league, the down parts are the bad parts. <laughs> anyway, like I just thought, you know, it's been it's been an interesting season. Um, there's a lot of things we need to work on, and things are never as bad as they seem. Things are as never as good as they seem. Yeah, yeah well, it's it's been a ride. It was fun while it lasted. Yeah, it was it, for both the NRL and the NRLW. There were very fun seasons, and it sucks so much to not get that final win to you know cap off an incredible campaign on both sides. But that's the reality of professional sports, and you know we're like we're seeing foul boys in the NFL. You know, Green Bay struggling, the Seahawks are sort of doing good things for rebuild and not so good things because you're sort of pushing yourself out of a, a good pick range, but. That's sports. You take the highs and the lows, the inverse roller coasters, like Ham said. Um, you know, I got my heart broken last week. I was talking to Hamish about this. Freaking, my Mariners made the playoffs for the first time in 21 years and then proceeded to lose to the, the equivalent of the Melbourne Storm, uh, who were best team but also cheaters, and they played two full games in one. They played 18 innings, and they ended up losing 1-0 in that game. That's sports, baby. We'll be back next Oh, man, year. I was so close to quitting sports. Like, my swans get beat. Get smashed. Oh, I was it's, shitty it's then. Everybody, they, 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 tear, they tear your heart out. They oh. gut you. They, they leave you, you know, feeling absolutely soulless at times. But the journey is like nothing else. And that's why we love it. So our Eels will be back next year in both the men and the women's competition. And they'll give it a hell of a shake. I was about to hit up that Marble channel on YouTube just to get, you know, <laughs> like, enjoying our life. No, but like, even, oh, even oh. then, you can get your heart broken because you go all in on one team and they just end up underperforming. I'm going to I'm going to quote one of the modern philosophers, a uh, great mind of our uh, modern age. Don't fight it. Life is a roller coaster. Just got to ride it. <laughs> All right. Well, leaving on those words uh, to live by, <laughs> we might wrap it up here, and we'll probably be back in the new year. Um, I'm sure there's some junior trials that'll be going on over the tier period. Um, I know some junior teams have been named. There's yeah. some familiar faces there. But we'll touch all on on all that in the well. We won't touch them, but we'll touch on all of that in the new <laughs> oh, year. <laughs> no, sorry, I just read that news about that um that GOP candidate in the states who like ran on a platform of uh, getting rid of the Democratic pedophiles, oh, and then God, they found oh him God. just up the road. So masturbating in front of like a kindergarten. <laughs> oh, all the QAnon Republicans over in America that are running on that. It's just it's a whirlwind. <laughs> If you think rugby oh. league is bad, look into politics. Oh God, don't do it for your sanity. <laughs> Just get stay getting your heart ripped out every year for the Parramatta Eels. It's better for your life. All right, guys. Catch we'll you next time, up boys. There. It's been Cheers. A Thanks for the ride this year, everybody listening in. And uh, we hope to have you back next year. See you there. Cheers. Let's go, Parramatta.